0: Hey everybody, how you doing? Good, 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 good. Hey, um, today we're going to be in Mark 15. If you want to go ahead and grab your Bibles, then uh, turn to Mark 15, whether that's printed or electronic. Um, if you don't have a Bible, they're out in the lobby. You can grab one, take it home with you. We want you to have a Bible. We want you to bring your Bible with you. You may have like eight at your house, like on a shelf, right? We want you to bring one with you when you come to whatever group, a small group, to a life group, to a study, to worship service, whatever it is. Bring your Bible with you because we use them. We study from the Word of God, so that's really important. So go ahead and turn to Mark 15. We'll get there in just a second. Um, if you don't have one of these in your yard and you have a yard, why not? Unless you're a homeowner's association or something that says you can't do it, we still have a few of these left. You can take one. They're free. Pop it in your yard. It gives people an opportunity to, to get connected, to discover, but way more importantly, to maybe get connected to Jesus for the first time. So take one with you. Keep them. We're going to use them next year, too. So just grab one and take it home with you. Um, we're talking about Easter today and next week and obviously, Easter is is just one of those great seasons. People really love it. Um, one of the coolest things about Easter is the surprise factor. Because Jesus was 100% dead, and then he was 100% alive. And that was a surprise. That was great news. Great news. Now, we've been asking a question in the last couple of days, like on Facebook and things. What what are some things about Easter that are surprising to you. Here's what a few people wrote. Joe said, I always wondered what the Pharisees were thinking or feeling when the sky turned dark. Can you imagine that? That would have been incredible. Jenna responded, the temple curtain tearing from top to bottom always leaves me surprised because it happened at that moment. I wonder what the people in the temple thought and the sound the fabric tearing would have made. Kim asked, I always wonder what the guards thought after witnessing all of this. Did it change them in a positive way? Did they believe? How was their life after this? Those are some great thoughts and observations. And we want you to join in the conversation. So on the back of your worship guide, there there are some ways you can get connected. If you're using the YouVersion Bible app, then there's a question on there that says, what's something that's surprising about Easter? You can answer that, and we will get those answers back, and we'll put some of those together. We'll use them next week just want to be thinking, what are some surprises, shocking things that come from Easter? There are shocking things that happen all the time, all the time. Uh, some of them are good. Some of them are bad. Now, my family tells a story uh, that I was involved in, although I was pretty young. I was three. I don't really remember it well, but evidently this is how it happened. My mom and I were at the local beauty parlor, and uh, this is an actual picture from 1968. Everything was in black and white. There was no color in the world. I mean, not just in the picture. So I was three, and my mom and I were in this uh, beauty, beauty parlor. And I don't know if you understand this, but as a three-year-old, especially as a three-year-old kind of ADD boy, um, I didn't know how to spell this word. But it was absolutely B O R I N G. I mean, it was boring. However, on this particular day, two things caught that three year old's attention. One was there was a lady who was large. I don't know how else to say it, she was kind of big. And um, that was evidently somewhat fascinating to me. The other thing that was somewhat fascinating to me, uh, again, back in this era, you could smoke anywhere all the time, right? Except in worship services, of course. But people smoked all the time everywhere. And this lady was in the salon smoking in one of these, uh, what are those things called? Dryers, yeah. And getting her hair done. And I was so fascinated by this, Not only was I watching, I had to provide some commentary. And so I said, Mommy, Mommy, look at that fat lady. Mommy, look look at that fat lady smoking. Mommy, she is blowing smoke out her nose holes. Mommy, let's just sit here and watch the fat lady blow smoke out her nose holes. I didn't just notice it, I declared what I thought was going on. You know, wow, what a wonderful event for my mom. <laughs> Sorry, mom. She's one of four people that listened to the sermons later. Uh, she was surprised by that. Again, surprises happen all the time. All the time. And as we look back at the Bible... We have this tendency, because we have read it, because we've heard the stories, we've kind of lost the wonder, the surprise of the moment. And we don't want to do that, especially with Easter. So as you read it, try to be an eyewitness. Try to hear it, to read it for the first time. One Easter surprise centers on a man named Barabbas. Barabbas. We pick up his story. He's actually in all four Gospels, but we're going to read from Mark chapter 15. And we're going to start in verse 6. Here's what it says. Now, it was the governor's custom each year during the Passover celebration to release one prisoner. Anyone the people requested. One of the prisoners at that time was Barabbas, a revolutionary who had committed murder in an uprising. The crowd went to Pilate and asked him to release a prisoner as usual. Would you like me to release to you this king of the Jews? Pilate asked. For he realized by now that the chief priests had arrested Jesus out of envy. But at this point, the chief priests stirred up among the crowd the people to demand the release of Barabbas instead of Jesus. Pilate asked them, Then what should I do with this man you call the king of the Jews? And they shouted back, Crucify him. Why? Pilate demanded. What crime has he committed? But the (laughs) the mob roared even louder, crucify him. So to pacify the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He ordered Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip, then turned him over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. Now it's likely that you've heard about Jesus being on trial before Pilate. It's unlikely that you've not heard a lot about Barabbas. So who is this guy anyway? We really don't know anything about his family. We don't know much about him. We don't know if he was single or if he was married. We don't know how old he was. If he said anything at all, it's not recorded in any of the four Gospels. Yet, his story is recorded in all four Gospels. And there's a short section in the book of Acts about him. And there are about 40 verses, almost 40 verses in the New Testament, talk about this man named Barabbas. Here's what we do know. The four gospel writers say these things. Mark describes him as a murderer and a revolutionary. Matthew's gospel calls him a notorious prisoner. Luke says he is a bandit in prison for insurrection and murder. John tells us he had taken part in a rebellion. And in a sermon in the book of Acts, Peter calls him a murderer. Barabbas was a slimy thief. He was one of those guys that would come and take something that didn't belong to him and never plan to give it back. And if things went wrong, he was okay with the fact that you had to die. And if you understand the context, the murder that he committed was most likely against a Roman soldier. So that puts him into a different category. That makes him a homicidal political terrorist. Now, does that resonate at all with anything that you hear in our world today? Brabus was a thief, a murderer, a rebel, a terrorist. He belonged in prison. That's where he was. And whether you believe in it or not, he was going to be executed. He's going to have capital punishment brought down on him. Now, he really had no hope of that changing. Or did he? Because as we see here in verse 8, during the Passover, the the high season, the, the most holy of times in the Jewish calendar, Pilate had a custom, and he would release one prisoner to the people. Now, he didn't do that because he was like a super nice guy, was all about compassion. He did it because he was a politician, and it was expedient for him. To do so, his biggest hope was that he would be able to keep the people from doing what they are doing right at this moment, which is get upset, get a crowd together, have a mob, and cause a riot. That's what he wanted to avoid. Now, we know a lot about Jesus from the Bible, from history. Again, we're looking back. Pilate does not have the benefit of our perspective. And so he really doesn't know much about this man who is before him. He's trying to understand what's going on. Pretty much all he knows is this, that Jesus is a Jew, that he's heard rumors that he was a teacher, and that he had done some miracles that no one had been able to explain away. And evidently, there was a a group of people that followed him. But now as this Jesus stands before him, this teacher who must have been good with words... This Jesus says nothing. He doesn't defend himself like you would expect him to. Again, friends and followers were rumored, but they sure don't seem to be around. The people that are around are these religious leaders and this crowd who is really riled up. Now, Pilate knows that Jesus is innocent. He is not a murderer. He's not an insurrectionist. He's not a terrorist. He's not a thief. As far as Pilate's concerned, there's absolutely nothing that Jesus has done that is worthy of death. In fact, in John's Gospel, three times he says, I find him not guilty. But Pilate has a problem. If he sentences Jesus to death, he is condemning an innocent man. But if he releases Jesus, guess what? This very same mob has said they're going to turn on him and turn him over to the officials above him. And he's he's afraid for his political, maybe even his physical life. So Pilate tries to get out of it altogether. Instead of making a decision himself, he says to the people, you decide. You decide, you people, you choose between an innocent man and a guilty one. You choose between light and darkness. You choose between good and evil. See, he thought for sure they would choose good. All four Gospels say that when Pilate offered the people a choice of releasing Barabbas or releasing Jesus, they chose Barabbas. In fact, in the book of Matthew, this is what he writes. All the people answered, let his blood, the blood of Jesus, let his blood be on us and on our children. Those are shocking words. They want Jesus to die no matter what the consequences would be on them or even on their kids. So Pilate gives in. He orders Jesus to be crucified and he sets Barabbas free. Pilate literally washes his hands and says, hey, may his blood be on your hands and not mine. Pilate was just absolutely certain they were going to choose Jesus. But he was shocked by their decision to have a murderer released into their community rather than a teacher and a healer. Now, that happened 2,000 years ago. But I wonder, does that ever happen today? Do you ever choose to release sin into your life rather than giving your life over to the Holy Spirit? Do you ever choose rebellion over obedience to Jesus? You ever choose to hate someone instead of loving and forgiving them? Let's be honest. All of us at times choose evil over Jesus. And at least in that moment, we don't really care what the consequences are. And we really aren't so concerned about any consequences that would happen to anybody else, including our children. Friday and Saturday, Discover had a wonderful marriage retreat. And the people who put it together did a lot of work. And it was a real blessing to many people. And Teresa and I literally laughed a lot. And there were times when we didn't laugh so much. We even cried. But we grew together. The topics of the retreat were, were important. And they were sometimes challenging. We talked about Finances. And the decisions that we make. And relationships and the decisions that we make. We talked about communication. And you know, as we looked at the results of our behaviors, at times those results were kind of shocking. Now ideally, that shock doesn't produce for us so much guilt. Rather, it produces an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to come in and say, here are some places this can improve. And that will not only benefit my relationship with Teresa and our relationship with our children and our relationship with God, it's going to benefit generation after generation. See, when we have to make a choice, the results of those choices have generational impacts at times. And we need to be very, very careful how we choose. For good or for bad, we can make a lot of difference in the lives of other people. It's shocking. Now, there's at least one more person who was most likely shocked by the events of this day, and that's Barabbas himself. Here he is. He's guilty, he's in prison, he's waiting to be executed. And as he sits in his chains, he hears a noise off in the distance, and it begins to grow gets louder. He can't tell exactly what's going on. The dialogue that he can't quite hear is what we've read. And if you piece it together from all the four gospel writers, here's a quick summary. Pilate has all the people in front of him and he says this, Who do you want me, who do you want me to release to you? Jesus or Barabbas? And the crowd shouts in unison, Barabbas! And then Pilate asks, okay, then what should I do with Jesus? And the crowd answers in unison, crucify him. Now this is a bit of speculation, but it seems plausible that Barabbas, as he is in this prison, hearing what's going on, not being able to quite understand this is maybe what he heard. He heard rumbling and murmuring in a crowd, but words he couldn't understand. And then all of a sudden, he heard a a crowd shout in unison, Barabbas! And then more mumbling and murmuring and words that were unintelligible. And then in a moment of clarity in unison, the crowd shouted, crucify him! It's plausible that what Barabbas heard from his prison cell was his name, Barabbas, and crucify him. Now whether that happened or not, the reality is the same. He knew he was going to die. And when the prison guard came and opened the cell, Barabbas must have been terrified. Roman crucifixion was to date the most painful way to die known to man. And that's where he was headed. And not only that, was he ready for what would happen after death? The guard came in, unchained him, and said, Barabbas, you're free to go. What? That can't be right. How is this possible? Barabbas, someone is going to die in your place. It's an overwhelming, life changing shock to Barabbas. And it should be to us. Are you still shocked? By that news, as you know, Jesus died and Barabbas went free. But Jesus died in my place. He died in your place. Are you still shocked by that? Does that kind of love still fill you with wonder and awe? Listen to these verses about the incredible love of Jesus. Romans 5a. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made him who had no sin to become sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Do you see the exchange that's taking place? 1 Peter 3.18 For Christ died for sins once for everyone. The righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. Isaiah 53, verse 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. By his wounds, we are healed. This is shocking. This is amazing. This is life-changing. This is eternity-changing. Jesus took your place. You are Barabbas. So am I. I don't know if you've seen The Passion of the Christ. If so, you experienced a ton of powerful emotions and thoughts. If you're like most people, this thought was prominent in your mind. This isn't fair. This is not fair. The way they treated Jesus wasn't right. The way the witnesses lied about him wasn't right. The way Pilate tried to wash his guilt away wasn't right. The crown of thorns pressed into his head, that was not right. The scourging, the beating, that was not right. It wasn't fair, it wasn't right. There was no justice. Well, here's the horrible, shocking, yet wonderful truth. There was justice. A penalty had to be paid, and so Jesus paid it for us. He loves us so much that He took our place. <coughs> a few years after the uh, incident at the salon, I was playing in the front yard, and I got stung by a yellow jacket right in the earlobe. Not having pierced ears, that was a new experience for me, <laughs> quite painful. I was, I don't know, eight years old, something like that. And uh, my dad tracked down, uh, there, were, there were other Yellow Jackets in the area, and he finally figured out where they were. He had built us this inc- really cool playhouse in the backyard. And the Yellow Jackets had burrowed in under the playhouse and made their home under the playhouse in the mud. And so dad came up with a plan, and here's what we were supposed to do. I don't remember actually who else was in the playhouse with me, but I know I was there and some other people were as well, um, young people. And our job was to go into the playhouse and shut the door and make sure the windows were closed. And we stood inside and we jumped up and down and we made noise and we yelled and we just had a great time. And Dad stood on the backside of the playhouse where all the yellow jackets came out and he tried to kill them. I promise you, I, didn't, I did not know <laughs> what was going on outside. But I remember about 10 minutes after we came back in the house, Dad came in and his legs were swollen. He had all kinds of stings on his legs. And that's when it hit me. Whoa! while I was having fun and jumping up and down and making noise, Dad was outside taking the sting for me. That's the kind of love that Jesus has for us. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Jesus took the pain. He took the sting of death on our behalf. He went to the cross and he took all of our sins and put them on himself. And he was separated from God the Father so that we would never have to be separated from God the Father. Barabbas is the only physical person in history who can say, you know what? I was condemned to die but Jesus took my place. But every person who calls on the name of Jesus, who recognizes that he is the Lord, that they can't do anything on their own to get back into a right relationship with God, every single one of us can say, I was condemned to die, but Jesus took my place. Amen? Because Jesus died, we can live. You know, the crowd had a choice to make that night. They did not choose Jesus. I really do not know if there's anyone in this room who has not chosen Jesus, but you need to. He is your hope. He is the one who died so you would never die. He is the one who separated himself from God the Father so you would not have to be separated. That's the kind of love our Jesus has. So, if you've never given your heart to Jesus, you can be like Greg who came forward the first service and he gave himself to the Lord. Jim Breckbuehler immersed him. It was wonderful. We didn't know that was going to happen, but you know who did? The Holy Spirit. God knew. And he was calling that young man and he responded. Maybe God is calling you. Maybe you've never responded. Why not today? Maybe you just want to come forward for prayer. Maybe you need to talk about what it even means to to give your life to Jesus. We We can have that conversation with you. Or maybe you're already a Christian. You've been immersed. You've given your life to the Lord. You've been living for him. You've been associated with another body of Christ somewhere. But you've never made this your church home. We would invite you. We'd love to have you be a part of the team here, part of the family. Remember, Easter is full of surprises. And on that first Easter, the biggest shock of all was that a man who was 100% dead was then 100% alive. Jesus rose again. Amen. Amen. And because of his death and his resurrection, you have hope. You have purpose. You have joy in your life. We're going to sing a song, a powerful song, an opportunity to thank God for this love that he has given to us, this sacrifice of Jesus, this hope that we have. Would you stand as we sing?